Welcome to the Mosaic of Marion, a weekly podcast hosted by Dr. Henry M. Meadows, Jr. and presented by Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. It is our sincere hope that you'll join us each week as we explore what it means to be part of God's big picture through biblical discussions about the saving power of Jesus Christ and what it means for our lives each and every day, starting today. So glad you guys are with us one more time. This is the Mosaic of Marion podcast, and I am Hank Meadows, pastor of Marion Baptist Church. I'm going solo today. Miss Mona is on vacation, and I pray that her and her family are having a good time, and hopefully the sun will come out for them as they're out traveling and going about having fun on their vacation. So I pray you'll be with them. We're going to open up this morning with a word of prayer, but I'd want you to go ahead and begin to turn in your Bibles um, to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to continue looking at verses of Scripture today that are taken out of context, not used correctly, and we're going to go from there. So let's open up with the word of prayer. Father God, we come, and Lord, we seek your face. Uh, God, we do ask that you would anoint us afresh and anew, and that our minds would be what you would call them to be, Lord. And we can only understand any portion of Scripture is when it's empowered so by your Holy Spirit inside of us. To understand the truth, um, we must be in the Spirit. Um, the Spirit will only help us to guide us to understand spiritual things. We cannot understand them in our natural setting. So God, we come and we now open up our hearts and our minds to you, just seeking one thing, seeking your face and who you are. So God, come alongside of us. Help us, lead us, guide and direct us now as we look at a passage of your word during this time and during this Mosaic of Marion podcast. Lord, we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We began this last week um, at, toward the end of what Miss Mona and I were doing, but I want to just jump back into Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I want to read it real quick to you. The Bible says this, I can do all things, and really here's the key to it, through him who strengthens me. Uh, as I said last week, we've begun to use this verse of scripture sort of as a a type of triumphalism. Um, we put it on um, golf bags and, and eye patches. And, you know, you see people that put on the eye black that are the actual looking like little band-aids. They'll have them Philippians 4, 13. And, you know, it's a, it's a great thing and a great thought. And, and I I'm, I'm feel okay in saying that I know the principle is there of that. But that's not what this verse is about. Remember, um, text without context is pretext. So I want to read to you now. I'm going to read starting at verse 10, and I'm going to read down through that verse. And I want us to get the context um, after that. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Um, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then as you go on to verse 14, it says, Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. 
Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Uh, and, and actually, if I read the next verse, that's one also um, that, and I'll, I'll read it. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to God be the to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I do think that one also was taken out of context there, verse 19. But in dealing with ours, do you understand what Paul was saying in the first few parts, um, verses 10 uh, through 12? He's talking about the fact that, listen, he understood that they wanted to help, but they had not had the opportunity. But he wanted them to know that he had learned how to have a lot and how to have a little and that he is content Man, isn't that something today that nobody seems to have? We're not content with anything. If we don't, if we have a bunch, we want a bunch more. If we don't have anything, we want more. We just want, 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 want in our lives. Um, and, and seemingly, it's it's every age group now. It's not just young people now. I believe it's people of every age that just want, 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 want. We have become a society of takers and not of givers. Um, we seeking that which we can have for us and for our life and to make us better and make us feel better instead of giving, understanding that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, so know that. But I, I want to, so he's telling that. And then at the very afterwards, when they finally um, did give something, Paul says, and I'm blessed by it. And listen, I didn't really need the gift there in verse 17, but look, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul says, listen, the, the great thing I got out of this was that you guys were going to receive a blessing from the Lord for being faithful to me in striving to help. Um, but Paul says, he's, let's just be honest. This verse is not about being able to hit a golf ball 300 yards. It's not about being able to throw a football um, to the perfect spot and making and scoring a touchdown. It's not about the person able to, to be the greatest basketball player or pitcher it's not about that. It's not it's not about the businessman who's able to continue and do whatever to to make his name known worldwide or, or have a bunch of money. It's about none of those things. It's simply about learning how to live. It's simply learning to be happy with what God is giving you at that moment. It's just about that. It's about life. We want to make it about everything else, about having a more blessed life or a more a greater life. Friends, that's not what it's about. Um, really, the, the Christian life is about being like Christ and, and striving to see what God can do through you to advance his kingdom. Remember one thing. Here's just the truth, and this will bless you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom about what he desires to do in and through you. So I want you to understand that this, this we've tended to make this verse a, a verse of triumphalism, that when we do something, see, I told you, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I'm glad you're giving the glory to the one who deserves it. I am, I am happy and glad for that, but you're quoting this verse out of context in that way. Um, the word, I want to go through a few things, and I'm just sort of going to um, shotgun approach this as, as things come up here. I've got some notes, and but as things come to my mind, and however I want to do do this is what we're going to be with. Um, I laughed and, and don't have Miss Mona here to keep me on track, 
So I'll try to do my very best. But I want to set the stage. And why I know that this is um, speaks of just physical needs. It's really just talking about physical needs. All the references in this paragraph of Scripture are dealing with physical needs. Not um, succeeding at being a great tent maker. Not at succeeding at being even the great preacher or missionary. Paul's talking about his needs. Whether he has a lot or whether he doesn't have many. So the word here, I can do, it means to be strong, to have power, to have resources. So Paul says, whatever I do, whatever resources I have, whatever things here that I have, these all these things, and they, they tend to lend themselves in a, um, to physical things and physical needs. Whatever I have, he says, that's because God gave it to me, and I'm going to be happy with that. Isn't it amazing? how we can be happy when we get to a point where we really seek the face of the Lord, we can be happy then. You know, that that new car, yeah, it's going to be new for a while, but sooner or later, you could wreck it or you could it could break down and then it no longer is going to make you happy. Or if you're a tremendous athlete, you know, you could make millions of dollars and fail 70% of the time being a baseball player, if you bat 300, you'll make millions of dollars. But seven out of ten times, you're going to walk away not happy. The only thing that's ever going to continually make you happy is loving Jesus and living for him. And he's not so concerned about your happiness. Jesus wants to make you holy. He wants to make you understand that you're set apart. You're wonderful. You're amazing in him. Notice that I say that again. That you're amazing in him. And that's how you have to live. And that's the key to this verse. And so often we're going to look at so many things in, in a few different places where Paul talks about having it all come from Jesus. So I read this in somewhere um, where Paul, he put it sort of this way. If he abounds, he is a man in Christ. If he needs, he is a man in Christ. If he rejoices, he is a man in Christ. If he suffers, he is a man in Christ. You know, the key to Paul's life is being in Christ. The key to Paul's life is living that way. And so I, I think I told you last week, but I want to hit on it one more time, and I want to deal with it. And that's in Galatians um, chapter 2. And I, if you're around Marion, you've heard me quote this, no telling how many times. But Galatians 2.20 really speaks to Paul's life speaks to how we ought to be living. Um, here it is. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My lanta is all I can say. So I want you to know that I have been crucified, as we talk about that for just a moment. That's in the perfect passive indicative. It's a completed action. Paul really had nothing to do with it, in a sense. And it's a statement of fact. So it's the perfect passive indicative. Paul has been. It's a done deal. You know, when you're crucified, that way, they didn't, they didn't pull you down and do it again. It's a done deal. When you were crucified, you were going to die. So Paul is saying, I've, I've died to myself. So I've been crucified with Christ. 
And it's Christ who died for me. So Paul said, you know, all I did was say yes to the gospel. So it really had none effect of my, not my, my power. And it's indicative. And by the way, so what Paul is saying here is that he's been born again. And last time I checked, when you were, you don't have to go back into the womb. Even Jesus said that and be born twice. You can't be born twice. You're born once. And so I want to just um, find truth in this. So Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Did you catch those words, in me? You find that so often as Paul was writing, and so often in many of his epistles, he's going to have it there when he talks about being in Christ. And what that means is that Christ is living through you. You've got to be have Christ in you, and you've got to be in Christ. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. you got to have them both. I need Christ in me so that I can live the life of Christ, but I need to be in Christ so that I can find my holiness and my righteousness, be in him so that when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of, of Jesus because I have no righteousness of myself. There, there's nothing. A lot of us out there think, you know, we were deserving of Jesus to die for us and to save our soul and take it to heaven. I hate to break it to you, but that's just not true. Think about this for a minute. There in Isaiah, he says that all, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I sort of have this idea so often of thinking, so if if I am absolutely having the best day of my life, I'm, I'm living for Jesus, I'm doing all that, but yet in the midst of that, when Jesus looks at my life that way and he squeezes it, nothing pure comes out. Just filth. So if that's the case when my days are great and I'm I'm sincerely living for Jesus, what the world does my life look like when I'm at my worst? When I'm not having that good day? When I'm having a day when I, I've blown it, man. I've I've sinned continually. You know, you just have those days when you just wake up sinning. You just wake up and it's like your your thoughts are not on Jesus. You you don't put Jesus in your mind to begin the day. You're not in his word, so you're not meditating that day on it. And all day long, you are having bad thoughts or um, you're looking at things you shouldn't be or you're saying things you shouldn't be saying. And it's like a whole day. What does those days look like in front of Jesus? You ever stop? Think about that. That is horrific. So Paul says, this life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Uh, you know, faith, forsaking all, I trust Him. Uh, faith is that thing of, of just trusting. It. Look, some people say, y'all have blind faith as Christians. No, we don't. I have a whole book of reasons to believe Jesus. I have a whole book. It's called the Bible. I don't have blind faith. I know for a fact Jesus walked the earth. I know for a fact Jesus died. I know for a fact he was seen by over 500 people after he rose again. I don't have blind faith, dear one. The fact of the matter is you're the one that's blind to the truth. I'm not, I don't have blind faith. I have open eye faith. You have, you're blind to the truth. Understand what you need to know. That's Jesus loved you and died for you. So Paul says he's living this life in the flesh, that he lived by faith in the Son of God. Here's the great thing. Who loved me? There was no reason to love you. You were a dirty sinner. But yet, Christ loves you. And he gave. See, this is, remember go back when I said there's so many takers now and not many givers. Let me tell you what Jesus is, what God is and what the Holy Spirit. They are givers. 
who loved me and gave himself for me. You, you want to be more like Jesus, uh, some way simple to start with? Become a giver. Uh, be generous. And by the way, you don't have to be rich to be generous. Yes, it's shown, yes, so much in your finances, but it also should be shown in your time and your talent. Man, we give time to anything and everything. How much do we give to the Lord? I mentioned a minute ago about getting up and it's just one of them days, man, you're just swimming in sin all day seemingly. And a lot of it will be found out because you have not been in the Word that morning. But I bet you got a fishing trip, you'll get up early. You go play golf, you're going to get up early. You go into shopping, you'll get up early. Well, get up early just to meet with Jesus. I mean, he's just the king of the world. <laughs> he's just God of the universe. He's just the, the captain of our salvation and uh, the one who gave himself for us. That's all. We won't, we won't get up early for him, but yet we'll get up and do all this worldly stuff for ourselves. So I believe that's Paul's life verse. And I believe Paul lived by it, and that's why so often he talks to us about being in Christ. Hey, just in this, let's just look at a few places right here that I've, I've pointed out. Now, the word, I can do all things. So he has the power. He has the resources to have his physical needs met. And here it is. Here's the key through him. Now, the same term is used several times in this, in this chapter, once in this chapter, one in the chapter before, because that word through can be also, uh, if you go to the Greek, it can be also translated in. So, I can do all things in him, through him, by him. So, it's all the same terminology there, the same vocabulary. If you were to lo look over in chapter 3, and in verse, um, starting at verse 8, Paul says this, I count, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found, hey, here it is, in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith, here it is again, in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith in Christ, in him, in Christ, in him. We go over here to, to chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. The only way to have that is, as this ends, in Christ Jesus. You got to be in Jesus. You got to be in that blessed ark. You, you got to surrender your will and your way and your life to him and live out Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul, Paul said, listen, I can endure anything through the power of the one that strengthens me. Hey, here, here's how it works. So, so let's go back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. 2 Corinthians, if you really want to ever know about the autobiography, what I believe of, of the Apostle Paul, which really... 2 Corinthians, he really tells more about a lot of things about his life than in any other book that he wrote. But I want you to look, and you know that this is the chapter where Paul describes his going to heaven. And, um, you know, he says there's so much there he could not utter. Uh, but I want to start here in verse 5. I'm just going to pick up right there. You can read the other part. He says, 
On behalf of this man, I will boast, but not of my own behalf will I boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would be a, would not be a fool, for I'll be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, here it is, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Paul says, you know what? God has so blessed me. God has so been in me and me and him, and I have walked so closely in that relationship with Jesus. I've walked so closely with God. I've gotten so many revelations. I've, I've learned so much truth. To make sure I didn't become conceited or get the big head over it, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Hey, by the way, let me just speak to this for a minute. You want to know sometimes why you go through so many valleys? Might it be to keep you from being that way as well? Maybe God is saying, you know what, I've blessed you so much. And I, I know, here's the thing, you, you can't lie to God. You, you can't get away with it. God says, I know how you would be if I did not humble you, Hank. I know what you would think and how you would act and what you would be like. And I believe God's up there saying, Jesus saying, and I probably couldn't stand you. <laughs> so I'm going to let you stay in these valleys because I don't want you conceited. I want you humble, man. And by the way, a humble person is usable by God. What's that old old statement uh, one of the early fathers said? A man cannot be used greatly until he's been hurt deeply. You're not going to be used if you're conceited. You're not going to be used when you think it's all about you. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he, meaning Jesus, meaning God, the Holy Spirit, said to me, oh, man, you ought to base your life on this. My grace. Is there, any, is there anything on earth greater than God's grace? I don't think so. It's tremendous. My grace is sufficient for you. Here it is. For my power is made perfect in weakness. His power is able to show what it really is. His power is able to be put on example when only when you and I are humble before him, only when you and I understand that we cannot do it in and of ourselves, only when you and I understand that we cannot and do not have the power to accomplish anything outside of Jesus. It's only when we understand that we are weak humans. So I so often I pray, and it's not false humility, but I'll pray to the Lord at times and I'll say, Lord, would you take my weak words? Would you take my weak words and would you empower them by the Holy Spirit to help change lives? It's not about me, y'all. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and what he wants to do in and through you. See, he can't do it through you till he does it in you. And when he does it in you, many times he has to humble you and bring you down a notch or two. And what he wants to do is show himself strong, but he can't show himself strong until he shows you that you are weak. We are nothing more than broken vessels. Man, we're cracked. We're dry rotting. We, outside of Jesus, have no value. But, oh, the blessed, 
love of God that poured out his grace on us that fills these broken vessels with his love and his mercy and his love of God is shed abroad in our hearts all that we have and all that I am everything is to be tied up in Jesus because he's the one that gave me value he's the one that made me who I am today the grace of Jesus but I'm telling you many times he'll keep you in that valley He'll keep that thorn in the flesh so that you're usable. So that you're able to be used by Him. If you think you can do anything and you can meet all your own needs, why does God have to try? Listen to one other place right here in Ephesians, just before Philippians. Ephesians chapter 3, a couple places real quick there in, in verse 13. Um, chapter 3 verse 14 through 16 listen to this for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened the word strengthen there means to enable to have strength so somebody has to enable you to have the strength because you don't have it on your own it's the mighty power working in you that's the holy spirit notice he says that with power through his spirit in your inner being. He wants to empower you, y'all, to do stuff. He wants to strengthen you to do things that are crazy good. He can strengthen you to do that. But the first thing he's got to do, he's got to make sure you're humble. He's going to get you to a place where you're content with what you have. This, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's about your physical needs, not about everything else. Now, these other verses where he's strengthening, he can strengthen you to do anything and everything. And then I love verse, verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work in us. Still, it's talking about doing stuff for the kingdom, not hitting a golf ball 400 yards. Yes, he wants to strengthen you to do the work he's called you to do. God divinely strengthens us to do that which he calls us to do. This verse and everything I've said has nothing to do with being a better golfer, being a better um, businessman, being a better doctor. It has to do with being what God calls you to do. And in the midst of that, for let's, let me end with Philippians 4.13. Being content with what you have. And God taking you from where he has you, whether you're facing plenty or facing hunger. Whether you're abounding or whether you're struggling. God says, I'm going to strengthen you right where you are. You just be happy where you are because I can use you where you are for my kingdom. It's all about his kingdom, y'all. It's all about the fact that God is building a kingdom. He wants you a part of it. He wants you to be a vital part of it, an active part of it, not somebody that wants to go around and just sitting on a pew, just sitting there taking everything and never giving anything for Jesus. I heard one old preacher say that he thinks that the Great Commission has become y'all be seated instead of what it is to go. How sad that is about us. 
So I want you to know that what I've talked about today is this truth. God wants to strengthen you. He wants you to understand and be self-aware of where you're at. Some of you out there, you may be listening. You may have a lot. Amen for you. Others may be listening. You may not have so much. Bless your heart. Seek the face of Jesus. Because if you're not careful, if you don't have too little, you won't be content and you'll complain. Then again, on the other hand, if you got too much, you're going to become conceited. Right where you're at today, trust God with your needs. Trust Him to meet all your needs. He can make it happen in your life just by simply trusting Him. Let's say a quick prayer. Father, help us to understand that you want to meet every need that we have. You know them and you want to meet them. And Father, if we would rely upon you, then we can do all, we can get through whether we have plenty or whether we have little. And but Father, you want to strengthen us for the work. What work? The work you've got for us. So as we look at that passage and it tells us that you give us the strength to be able to go with any need that we have, abounding or none, it's the same strength that will also get us to do the work for the kingdom. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone listening that we would quit trying to use this verse as something for our golf game, our, our work, and start using it for our station in life according to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey guys, I want to thank you for listening today. I want to... Um, Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the mosaic that is Marion. I want to encourage you um, at Marion Baptist Church this upcoming Sunday night. We will start a drive-in revival, and it'll be also on our Facebook Live page. So if you go to the Marion Facebook page, Marion Baptist Church Facebook page, um, you'll hear every night starting the 31st, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we'll have Facebook Live, and several different preachers will be preaching. So I want to encourage you to do that. Hey, find the church and join it. Once again, this is the Mosaic that is Marion, and I am Hank Meadows, pastor of church. Love you guys. Thank you so, so very much. Bye-bye.